0: SAFM South Africa's news and information leader it's 12 o'clock on this Thursday the 9th of January 2014 good afternoon to you and welcome to Midday Life I'm Ike Partha coming up on the show in this hour preliminary statistics on road fatalities indicate that a total of 1,276 people have died on South Africa's roads during the festive season. Scopa in the Northwest province will meet Public Works MEC Raymond Alicia today to discuss the purchase of a luxury car for the Premier. And the Central African Republic interim leader Michael Jotodia is expected to face pressure to step down when he attends a regional summit today. All those and other stories coming up, but first the news by Kirat Lala.
1: SAFM, South
2: Africa's news and information leader. Good afternoon. In the news at midday, new preliminary stats on festive season death tolls and African leaders to meet over C.A.R. violence. Good afternoon. Transport Minister Dupour Peters says a total of 1,276 people have died on South Africa's roads during the festive season. Peters released the preliminary festive season death toll for the period December 1st, 2013 to January 7th this year. The South Gauteng High Court has dismissed Czech fugitive Radovan Kretcher's leave to appeal for bail. The Bedford View businessman, who is facing attempted murder and kidnapping charges, was denied bail last month by the Palm Ridge Magistrates' Court. The High Court found that Kretcher failed to prove during the appeal that he would not flee the country as he did in his own home country. The Department of Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries says nothing will stop it from transforming the fishing industry. Acting Deputy Director General Desmond Stevens says the Department does not want to deny fishermen the right to do business by refusing them fishing rights. The Department has granted the fishermen permission to apply for exemptions pending the outcome of an appeals process against the loss of their fishing rights. Stevens says transformation is necessary.
3: We have to transform this industry. We have to emancipate those who have not had access before. And in this process, we have seen many of these people that spoke on TV and the newspapers and discredited us publicly. Some of them have not even applied for rights. And some of them want to protect that we must not make a change and they want us to keep the status quo. And we are not deterred by this. We are not going to keep the status quo. We want to change the
4: situation.
2: The South African Weather Services says rainy conditions in the Western Cape are expected to clear towards the weekend. Heavy rains have brought floods in parts of the province since Tuesday. Damage worth millions of rand has been caused in the town of Langsburg in the Kru. after three rivers burst their banks. The N1 near the town also suffered considerable damage. Forecaster Henning Hrobla says there's a chance of more showers today.
5: We do expect another
4: 15 to 20 millimetres that might occur overnight in those regions. And then towards the weekend, it seems like we have a very small cold front rushing through tomorrow. That will be on Friday. And by the weekend, by Saturday, Sunday, it should start clearing up quite nicely with sunny conditions and temperatures starting to recover.
2: Meanwhile, municipal workers in Langsburg are still trying to get their town's water and sewage system up and running following yesterday's floods. Tanya Krauser reports.
6: Disaster management spokesperson Bun Bukia says the town's main water and sewage supply pipes were washed away after three local rivers burst their bank. Bukia says they are also delivering water to affected residents and businesses. The floods have also cut off a number of farms in the town. Bukia says they are still trying to get a helicopter from Cape Town to assist in dropping off food and other necessities to the affected families. Tanya Krauser, SABC News, Lanesburg
2: and African leaders will meet to discuss how to end sectarian violence in the Central African Republic. Its interim president, Michael Djotodia, is due to attend the summit in neighboring Chad and is expected to come under pressure to step down after failing to end the fighting. From the capital Bangui, the BBC's Paul Wood reports.
7: The president would be attending a regional summit as normal, his spokesman told us. There would be no resignation. Still, the belief that Michel Djotodia will step down persists, fuelled by a rumour sweeping the capital that an unusually large amount of presidential luggage has been seen heading for the airport. If he does go, the effects would be unpredictable. Many Christians I spoke to told me their main demand was for the Muslim president to step down. If he leaves, it could take some of the steam out of this conflict. But many here believe it might instead touch off a power struggle engulfing the country in its
2: worst violence yet. Recapping the top story at midday, Transport Minister Dupur Peters says a total of 1,276 people have died on South Africa's roads during the festive season. For SFM News, I'm Kirit Lala, back with headlines at 12.30.
0: Many thanks to Kirat Lala and the news team. It is uh, six minutes after 12th year on Midday Life on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. The South Gauteng High Court has dismissed a Czech fugitive Radovan Kretsch's leave to appeal for bail. The Bedford View businessman, who is facing attempted murder and kidnapping charges, was denied bail last month by the Palm Ridge Magistrates Court. The High Court found that Kretsch failed to prove during the appeal that he would not flee the country as he did in his home country. Joining us on the line to tell us more on the case is our reporter Noma Bolani. Good afternoon to you, Noma. Thank you for joining us. Yes,
8: good afternoon,
0: guys. Take us briefly um, how the court reached uh, this decision.
8: Um, Basically, in the South Gauteng High Court, the fully packed courtroom heard from Judge uh, Leone Windell that... um, the, the, the arguments that were presented um, during this appeal were rather opportunistic because um, in the original bail application the defense did not um, cross-examine the affidavits that were submitted, especially the ones by the investigating officer um, regarding the torture claims of the complainants. So there was. He, she also mentioned that the fact that the defense term did not disclose all the convictions by Radovan Kreja, that also made it seem as if he was not even trying um, to prove that it was not against the interest of justice for him to be released
0: Just for those people not uh, familiar with the case, what were the arguments that were being forwarded by uh, Krecher's legal team?
8: Okay, to take you back, Krecher is facing attempted murder. Um assault as well as kidnapping charges for an incident that happened in in July, an apparent drug deal gone wrong. Um, so apparently, there, there, there's there's a man who was kidnapped and assaulted and allegedly burnt with hot water um, in an attempt to to kind of you know rectify that drug deal that had gone wrong. So in the arguments, they presented that firstly, um, the the Schedule Five offence was not one because um, the complainant. Um, was not uh, harmed too much, but the the, the, the court found that because the, the the water was very hot, it was a wound that could um, basically endanger his life. So they were saying that the fact that they brought this um, argument into the uh, High Court was opportunistic, and the the, the judge basically slammed um, the defense team for saying that they're not really trying hard enough to prove that um, you know, critters did not mean. Um, to, to do, to um, do the injuries he co- he apparently caused, as well as the fact that um, he's still a flight trick. They didn't prove that he didn't hand in all his passports, which um, the number of them are one unknown, and he didn't hand them to 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 the police to say that I will not I will not escape. As well as the fact that he has a history um, of of fleeing when he is you know um, when he's being. Uh, First, the Czech Republic, he he fled because he was convicted, as well as in the Seychelles when he found out that his life was um, being threatened.
0: Was there any indication from Kresher and his legal team on whether or not they intend taking uh, the matter further?
8: Yes, we are returning to the South Gauteng High Court at two o'clock, um, where the defense team is expected to apply for uh, leave to appeal in the Supreme Court of Appeals. And at the moment, they are um, consulting with Kretcher, who is believed to still be in hospital. Um, you know, Apparently, he was tortured by police after his arrest, and um, the judge... Uh, He got an application for him to go to hospital so apparently that's where he still is at the moment and we're going to hear um in the afternoon if they're allowed to you know to place an application at the supreme
9: court of
0: appeal well thank you very much for that update our reporter noma bolani that brings the time to 10 minutes after 12 year on midday live Scopa in the Northwest will meet Public Works MEC Raymond Alicia today to discuss the purchase of a luxury car for the Premier Tandy Mudise. She bought a brand new 1.3 million round BMW. The DA has said the purchase of the car is in conflict with austerity plans announced by Finance Minister Pravin Gordam. Let's get uh, the uh, more on that. Uh, we are joined now by the chairperson of Scopa in the Northwest province, Patrick Chauke. Good afternoon to you and thank you for joining us.
4: Good afternoon and good afternoon to listeners. Thank you very much.
0: Can you confirm that uh, you are due to meet uh, with the uh, MEC for Public Works in the Northwest Province?
4: Yeah, that is correct. Uh, We have uh, taken a a resolution uh, yesterday, uh, obviously coming from different uh, uh, political parties, in particular the ANC study group met yesterday, reflected on the matter. And then uh, we then agree that we are going to convene the public accounts committee today to invite those who are responsible to purchasing of the car uh, to come and account uh, on the process and what informs the decisions, and then uh, take into account again the measures that uh, the national minister has uh, announced on which uh, national assembly has adopted.
0: What informed your decision to request uh, for this meeting?
4: Well, uh, firstly, is that uh, the. The important part was the issue of the spending uh, and the timing of buying of the car. As we know for a fact that uh, uh, the legislature term will come to an end uh, uh, in the next three, four months, in the next three months in particular. And therefore, we believe that uh, there's a need to make sure that there's monitoring on how a state money is being spent. Uh, and obvious, uh, when we look at the price, which we agree again, that uh, on top of what the minister has pronounced on, that leadership and whoever that is a decision maker at that level will take into account and those issues. So we believe that our responsibility, and we know our responsibility, that once the pronouncement has been made at the national or it can be at the provincial level, our responsibility is to monitor the implementation of that particular you know decision that has been taken. So obviously this falls within uh, our mandate of having to understand.
0: Are there any specifics that you're going to ask for when you meet with the MEC?
4: when one of the things that we want clarity on is the issue—the only issue of uh, when was the decision taken, obviously. And when we do that, uh, we will need documents because we've written to them that we request them to give us documents, information around when was this decision taken, Uh, was it taken before or after, and want to know again what's the rationale of buying it when we know again that uh, the legislature's term is coming to an end. So that is what we're going to hear from them. And any other information that will help us to understand the spending, because we, our responsibility is to make sure that uh, we do proper and robust oversight around the uh, public money that is in spend uh, in a particular way that uh, people are not happy about.
0: When the matter was raised uh, with the people consent, uh, they uh, hid behind the fact that uh, no laws were flouted with regards to this uh, particular pages. Um, do you find uh, that it holds water, that argument?
4: No, look, we will hear that when we get to the meeting ourselves, because ourselves we don't have detailed information around uh, whatever what we have read, we have in the paper, and we believe that they were going to use the power of the committee and the role of the committee for them to really declare and disclose whatever information that they want to share with us. And that's when the committee will be able to pronounce itself Around those uh, kind of uh, input that we receive, as we engage with the people responsible.
0: Without uh, preempting any decision that you might reach, uh, if at all you find uh, that uh, there was uh, some wrongdoing, is there any recourse?
4: Look, we are going to operate within the law. Uh, PFMA is very clear. If uh, there's fruitless or wasteful expenditure, PFMA directs us that uh, one of the things that we do is that investigation. Secondly, is to recover the money of the state. Thirdly, is to take action against those who have uh, misused the state money. So it's within the law that uh, this committee is going to operate on. Uh, but if we found that there's no issue, obvious, uh, they were within their right to have done that and not that, obviously that will be pronounced. But for now, we'll await the outcome of that discussion and then we'll then pronounce our position
0: chairperson of scopa in the northwest province Uh, patrick Chauke, thank you for joining us uh, here on midday life it's 14 minutes after 12. (music) our top story at uh, the south transport minister dipuo Peters says a total of one thousand two hundred and seventy six people have died on south africa's roads Looking at the markets, gold is trading at one thousand two hundred and twenty-six dollars seventy an ounce. Platinum is at one thousand four hundred and fifteen dollars an ounce, and the rand is trading at ten eighty to the U.S. dollar, seventeen seventy-five to the pound, and fourteen seventy to the euro.
6: The South African Trade, Investment and Tourism Promotion Guide in partnership with SASM will be hosting monthly radio broadcasts to promote trade and investment opportunities to local business and foreign investors. We invite business from all sectors to join us at the President Hotel in Bloemfontein to the launch of the Free State Province Symposium on the 27th of January 2014. To participate for free, contact Bois Kajaneni at 082-923-4402 or email at rsvp at bbmmedia.co.za Also visit southafricanguide.co.za
0: SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, it is 16 minutes after 12. Archbishop Emeritus Desmond Tutu has called for the deployment of qualified medical practitioners to oversee traditional circumcision practices. Tutu says the mutilation and deaths of young South Africans in rituals require urgent intervention. He says the cultural importance of initiation rituals should not be lost, but guardians should avoid placing too much focus on the physical and psychological ordeal. Let's get more on that. Uh, joining us uh, to discuss the matter is Congress of Traditional Leaders of South Africa, General Secretary Inkosi Kolile Ndevu. Good afternoon to you and thank you for joining us.
3: Good afternoon to you, sir, and I'm pleased to speak to you.
0: I wonder if uh, you have been able to look through the statement uh, from the Archbishop Emeritus uh, and what your thoughts are?
10: Uh,
3: Well, uh, first of all, thank you for affording me this opportunity to speak to you regarding uh, the matter of initiation schools and traditional circumcision. Well, coming to your question, uh, the issue of the statement made by the Bishop everettus Desmond Tutu. Uh, well, uh, when I read his statement, I felt there is no problem or contradiction in what he was saying because this comes after a huge death toll which, uh, which emanates from the initiation schools in the Eastern Cape. But you know, the issue of deployment of medical doctors in, in initiation schools or circumcision schools, to me, it is not a train smash or it is not a problem for a number of reasons. Remember, before there was no issue of a difference between a circumcision that is done by a medical daughter, doctor and a circumcision that is done by a traditional uh surgeon. So, because to me or well, in tradition there is no difference in terms of an operation or a a wound. What what becomes the case is when the the, the this whole system is done traditionally. Traditional means a a process that is undergone by a boy with his family, which also involves the ancestors, and and there are a lot of traditional issues. But the issue of cutting has got nothing to do with tradition. So it is not a problem whether the the real operation is done medically or traditionally. What becomes the case is when the whole process is, is being undergone Taking into account the school that the boy is going to be taken to. In this case, after the circumcision is done, whether by a medical doctor or who, but the boy must then undergo a traditional initiation school where the boy is now taught on a number of issues how to become a man, how to defend your family, how to become responsible, this and that. So that is the most critical part.
0: So, so what you are saying
3: the from the statements made by the, the bishop and, and and as well as the tradition itself, there is just no contradiction.
0: Now, what do you think should be changed to put an end to the mutilation and deaths of initiates initiates uh, that uh, we have seen over the years? What is Contrellesa's view?
10: Look,
3: this 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 custom is an old one. Uh, but what becomes a problem is that we are faced with a challenge of a society which has been made to understand that now they are the society that is free and the communities can do as as they feel. There is, You know, there is a whole lot of the problem of a weak justice system in this country. Because to me, if, if, if people could be treated as if, if, if a person has actually broken the law and that person is put into book and is, is actually charged, again, in, 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 in so far as what he has done. Because what becomes a problem now is that you have people who are criminalizing this whole tradition. And at the end of the day, those people are actually not dealt with and they're actually not uh, reprimanded. By the, by the acts of, of the criminality that they've conducted.
0: Just finally, are you lobbying uh, the, you know, all those uh, agents uh, that are supposed uh, to uh, enforce laws uh, to actually take action?
3: Look, in the Eastern Cape last year, we had a meeting that involved all stakeholders, which included NPA and the Department of Justice. Uh, you know, what we put on the table in that meeting, it was the fact that we, we, we requested them to actually open up, uh, you know, uh, you know the, the emergency courts. Like, you know, when, the, when we had the 2010 World Cup, mm. there were those emergency courts which people were charged then, dealt with, and then sorted out immediately. So we requested that kind of arrangement. So we were saying, during June... Uh, you know, school holidays when there's initiation schools that are taking place and December holidays when the initiation schools are taking place. We need to have, you know, uh, courts that are opened at that, at that stage where the, these criminals are, are, are caught and charged immediately. But that does not seem to be taking place uh, because of the reasons that we do not know. Because we said if that is taking place, then it is going to reduce, you know, the number of acts of criminality that are taking place within the season of, of the initiation school.
0: General Secretary of the uh, Congress of Traditional Leaders of South Africa, LESA, kose, uh, Thank you for joining us uh, here on Midday Live. That could be one of the issues that you'd like to comment on or any other story that we have done thus far. The SMS line and that will cost you th- two rents it's a three four seven oh one three four seven oh one is the sms line and uh, you can get in touch with us and uh, give us your comments on uh, stories that we have done thus far it's 23 minutes after 12 year on midday life Uh, heavy rains have been reported in some parts of the eastern cape especially in the western parts of the province Flesh floods are reported from uh, Tleplat and Willowmore, while the farming hamlet of Pearson in the Karua was also hit by flooding, leaving more than 50 families destitute. Havoc was further caused when the blood river that runs through the farming town burst its banks, causing damage running into thousands of rents. Mzukisi Solani has more.
9: The water came into the whole house. So, my child, I had to. Uh, go out the house in a rain wedding because the water was coming.
11: Rosie Siemens is among the more than 50 families at Pieston in the Eastern Cape left homeless when the Blade River burst its banks, spilling water into all the homes in an informal settlement just few metres away from the river. The water left a trail of destruction in its wake. Mali is a ward councillor at Pieston.
9: We are told there are certain houses that are affected by the storm, especially electricity services. But as of now, we are busy providing services like accommodation, meals three times a day, and um, school uniforms are on the way as well. There is a particular section of the community which is called Millennium Park, which is joined to the area that which is worst affected by the disaster
11: and that one is the one where the sewer supply was disturbed. Interventions at Piestin were retarded by the not fully operational government offices due to the recent festive season recess. So in the meantime, the mainly social grant and remittance-dependent families are currently being housed in a local community hall where they are provided with communal meals. Flood victim Rosie Simmons says she still has panic attacks.
9: We are also... Afraid when is the, this going to be happen, happening again? And you, you don't sleep like you sleep your eyes closed. You sleep one eye closed and one eye open because you, you
11: don't know. Disaster officials in the western region of the Eastern Cape are scheduled to meet tomorrow to assess the damage and decide whether to declare the town a disaster area or not. Mandisa Mandisanoashe is the Disaster Management Head in the Kakadu District Municipality, which encompasses the small town of Pieston.
5: We will be meeting on Friday to look at damages and the assessment that will be brought forward, not only by Kakadu but also by other stakeholders. And then we look at the resources that are there to deal with the problems that would have been put on the table. And then from there, we will then advise whether we have a disaster or not in terms of your disaster management Act 57 of 2002.
11: Meanwhile, the South African Weather Services predicts a thunderstorm for the Port Elizabeth area this afternoon. But the service has issued no alarms for the thunderstorm, saying it's expected to be normal and passing occurrence. Mzukisi Solani, SABC News, Eastern Cape. 26 minutes after 12th year on
0: midday life, water levels have started dropping after three rivers burst their banks due to heavy rains in Lainsbeck in the Karoo or region of the Western Cape. Millions of rents worth of damage has been caused to the town's water supply and sewerage system. Heavy rains have been falling in the area since Tuesday. Earlier, I caught up with the head of the Western Cape Disaster Management, Colin Diner, for an update.
12: We still have quite a serious situation as far as the rivers are concerned. They're still pretty high, although they have have subsided to an, to an extent. It was the Volgenoot, Bafian, Hillbacks, and Buffels rivers. Um, we have found a situation that we have farmers that are just below the Florescrawl Dam um, that have been cut off. It's about five or six uh, farms. Um, we've just activated the Air Force to respond to that area and to um, go and reach those farmers and evacuate them. Um, at the moment, uh, that's the situation. Um, obviously, as far as uh, repairs are concerned in, La- in Langsburg, we have a problem with the sewerage system there which is being repaired and there is also damage to water supply pipes which is being reported.
0: What about uh, the uh, domestic animals uh, or the animals that this, uh, f- uh, farmers, uh, on this farmer's premises?
12: Yeah, we're not not 100% sure at the moment what the situation is as far as that is concerned. What the the Air Force will also be doing together with the Central Karoo Disaster Management is they will be doing an assessment and they'll be able to come back to us. And, you know, the first priority would obviously be the the lives of the people on the farms and then obviously do an assessment of what the further risks are and then we'll address them.
0: In terms of missing persons, uh, what are the latest reports?
12: Okay, we still have the person that uh, in Longeberg municipality that was uh, that had uh, went missing um, that person has not yet been recovered. we're still looking for that person um and then last night we had a situation in uh, the Marinenport area where the provincial department of health's emergency medical services helicopter um airlifted thirteen people um that were uh, cut off due to the flooding in that area so that's a situation as far as the um, rescue is concerned.
0: What is the condition of the roads?
12: Um, the roads are, we have obviously the problem on the N1 about 13 kilometers from uh, Langsburg on the Cape Town side um, which was pretty badly damaged and only one lane is open there. Um, the N2 we had some flooding yesterday but that's been cleared up and generally the, the weather has subsided on most of the roads so we don't have specific major problems at this stage as far as roads are concerned.
0: And the weather forecast?
12: Well, we've just had quite a heavy downpour in Cape Town. Um, there is a weather forecast for some more rain this afternoon, but uh, as we understand it, is it's not going to be as heavy as we've had in the last two days.
0: And the damage, uh, would you say, it runs uh, in millions, uh, in millions um, of rains?
12: It's difficult to say at the moment. Our previous experience would, would pretty much confirm that. But what we will do is the next step is the various um, municipal um, disaster management centres together with their municipal engineering departments will start doing assessments, and uh, once they've done the assessments, uh, you know we can start looking at at those numbers, adding them up, and considering, you know, what what relief action we have to take.
0: Other observers are saying that uh, this is the worst flooding in that region uh, since 1981.
12: It has been quite intense flooding. I think uh, there was a lot of work done uh, uh, after 1991, um, uh, sorry, 81, where where a lot of uh, preparation was done and lessons that were learned were implemented and I think that that is the main reason that we saw uh, specifically in the Langsburg area at this stage no loss of life.
0: Just uh, finally to recap, uh, what exactly is happening as we speak in terms of mop-up operation or those uh, haven't commenced yet?
12: Okay, as far as that is concerned we're still focusing specifically on the people that are cut off, that's the main thing and then the provincial roads departments and the various municipalities are doing quite a lot of cleaning of roads, the Maringsport area that was cut off, the N1. So that's really the situation as it stands at the moment.
0: Head of the Western Cape Disaster Management, Colin Dyna, bring the time to exactly
2: 12.30. Let's update uh, news headlines. Good afternoon, Kirat Lala. Good afternoon, Ike. In those headlines at 12.30, road fatalities have increased to 1,357 between December 1, 2013 and January 7 this year. The preliminary festive season death toll has been released by Transport Minister Depor Peters. Czech fugitive Radovan Kreče's legal team is consulting with him as to whether to take his appeal on his bail application to the Supreme Court of Appeal. Earlier, Judge Leonie Windle denied Krecher leave to appeal his denied bail application. And Russian security forces have been deployed in an anti-terrorist operation just 300 kilometers from the Black Sea Resort of Sochi, the venue for next month's Winter Winter Olympics. Details on these and more at 1 p.m.
0: Many thanks to Kirat Lala. In 29 minutes' time, uh, you'll be hearing the voice of Shadow Twala. She'll be hosting otherwise. Uh, Good afternoon to you, Shadow. What can we expect?
6: Well, today we try to understand Ubuntu Buddhism. The Buddhist retreat center in KZN was named one of the world's top 10 meditation centers by CNN. So we find out why this national heritage site stood out from the rest, and we talk to its founder, Louis van Luan. We also talk to Sue Heerden, who's the director of War Moya, a community NGO empowering women, also founded by the BRC Center. That's for show. Sure.
0: Uh, That's coming up uh, in 28 minutes' time uh, with Shadow Twala. Thank you very much. Uh, The ANC says... It is not given up on efforts to prevent the Trade Union Federation, KOSATU, from imploding. The suspension of KOSATU's General Secretary, Zonin Zimavavi, has uh, deepened divisions within the giant worker union. The NC's top leadership is currently meeting in Nelspruit in Pumalanga to finalize the contents of the party's election manifesto, which will be launched on Saturday at the Mbombela Stadium. Presidential correspondent Sepo Ikaning filed this report
13: internal leadership battle within Kosatu presents a major headache to the anc ahead of the forthcoming general elections the ruling party established a tax team to help unify its labor ally following the suspension of zolin zimavavi after he admitted to having an affair with a junior female colleague the eight-member intervention team led by anc deputy president sarah ramaphosa has not been successful in its mediation efforts ramaphosa is however upbeat that there's still time to convince pro- and anti
9: vavi groups to smoke a peace pipe. The task team uh, that I'm part of continues to work. We continue to meet various unions in in KOSATU and the leadership. And uh, this is work in progress. We were never going to resolve this problem in one day. So work continues, and we believe that we are making progress. And what we hope and are working for, is that there isn't a big rupture in KOSATU and that is our ultimate goal because we want the workers of our country to remain united under an umbrella organization like KOSATU so that they can continue with their struggle to ensure that the working class in our country is much better off in all respects. But COSATU's
13: biggest affiliate, Metal Workers Union, NUMSA, has refused to buy into ANC led mediation efforts. NUMSA leaders have already accused the ANC of driving a wedge between COSATU leaders. Political analyst Dr. Dafikeni believes that COSATU's division could weaken the ANC's electoral support within the working class.
11: ANC goes into these elections without the assured, enthusiastic support of COSATU. And some of its affiliates, NUMSA, having stated openly that it's not going to support and even going to the extreme of calling for the president, you know, to step down. Those kinds of things are the ones that should worry ANC. Unemployment, poverty, lack of wealth distribution on a significant scale, the promised radical policy shift that has not yet been realized. The ANC
13: leadership is also headed on a coalition course with some influential Corsato leaders over the inclusion of contested economic policies of the National Development Plan on its election manifesto. Ramaphosa, who is a key architect of the NDP, has defended the ANC's decision to implement the Economic Development Blueprint document. When you
9: read the manifesto as it's released, you will realize that, yes, the NDP is uh, referred to it features, And what you will want to know is that the alliance partners are fully behind the manifesto. It's been thoroughly discussed with them. They back it. They support it. So there are no concerns with that. And our processes of discussing not only the NDP but a whole range of other things that are germane in our relationship with our alliance partners carries on in the various structures that we have. Meanwhile, the ANC is
13: expected to respond to the decision by suspended Kosato General Secretary Zolin Zima Favi to once again decline nomination to the National Parliament. Tsepoika Neng, SABC News in Nelsprate.
11: Just when you think you missed that one conversation in that one show? No, you didn't. Catch, catch, catch it once again on Overnight, 12 midnight to 4 a.m. Here Hear with me, me. Nayo Pandora, <laughs> SFM, South Africa's news and information leader.
13: You asked for it, and now it's here. SAFM proudly presents the best of the African connection through Wamba, the dance edition. Dance Yourself Silly in this compilation of the best dance numbers of the African connection to wamba Now available at reputable CD outlets.
0: It is 23 minutes to one here on SAFM. Reports from South Sudan say troops loyal to the government of uh, President Salva Kiir are advancing northwest towards the rebel-held town of Bentu, in the country's oil producing zone. The move has reportedly sparked a panic with thousands of civilians fleeing that uh, area and aid organisations are saying that the humanitarian situation in the country is deteriorating. Let's get the latest. Uh, joining us on the line on the situation is uh, Army Spokesperson Colonel Philip Agua. A very good afternoon to you and thank you for joining us. Uh, what is uh, the situation with regards uh, to fighting, especially in, the, in that uh, region? of Bantu we have uh, lost uh, that line uh, to uh, Sudan but uh, we'll uh, try and uh, establish a connection again and also look at uh, the situation with regards uh, to the humanitarian uh, crisis in that area Stoll is uh, still to uh, come uh, here on uh, S A F M South Africa's news and information leader, the Department of Public Works. Uh Uh, has awarded uh, some full bursaries to Lennis and uh, we will be speaking to the human capital investment uh, the head of the uh, human capital investment of the department of public works Uh, but let's go back uh, to uh, uh, Sudan and we are joined now on the line by for the uh, spokesperson for the international committee of the Red Cross uh, Jake uh, Kurtzer a very good afternoon to you and thank you for joining us Hello, is that Jake? Yes, I'm here. Uh, Jake, just give us uh, a picture of the, situa- the humanitarian situation in South Sudan. Jake, uh, can you hear us now? Uh, we're just trying to get an update on the humanitarian situation in uh, the in the south uh, sudan but uh, that line is not uh, one of the clearest so now let's go back uh, to canal philippa agua and uh, try and find out uh, what uh, the latest is with regards to fighting canal a very good afternoon to you i hope you are on the line now
10: yes i'm alone
0: uh, tell us about uh, the fighting what is the situation on that front
10: uh, the situation on the ground, uh, there is fighting in Bantu in Unity State, and uh, there is fighting uh, in uh, Dengume. In Dengue State, around Wur.
0: Are you able to tell us uh, which towns are mostly affected by this fighting?
10: Uh, come again?
0: How many people are affected by this fighting that's taking place?
10: Yeah, There's a lot of displacement. People are displaced into uh, United Nations mission camps. Uh, Others are uh, displaced uh, into the nearby regions, uh, but we don't know exactly what are the numbers of the displaced.
0: There are towns that we know were held by the rebels. Uh, How much progress is being done uh, to uh, regain control of those areas?
10: Uh, the main two towns that are under the control of the rebels are uh, Bantu and Boer. Uh, Bantu are fighting uh, right now at the very close Bantu uh, center, and uh, it is a matter of time they will be in control of Bantu today. Uh, for Boer, fighting has been off and on, and uh, we are also uh, progressing uh, to, to that direction.
0: Are you encountering a lot of resistance as you make advances towards Bentiu specifically?
10: Uh, yes, uh, there are a lot of resistance, uh, but uh, uh, we have uh, defeated both forces around Bentiu, and uh, it's only left the the center of the town. Uh, we are facing a steep resistance uh, on the road to Bour, but. Uh, Again, the SKL forces are confident, we are more organized uh, than those forces, though they are using very huge numbers of uh, the armed uh, civilians, they are the forces of the city of but the SKL will will still defeat them at the end of the day.
0: When you are making these advances on those rebel-held areas, have there been any casualties as yet? Mm -hmm.
10: Yes, yes, fighting of casualties. There's no fighting without casualties. Definitely there are casualties on both sides.
0: From your side, uh, have there been uh, major fatalities?
10: Uh, Come again?
0: From your side, though, have you suffered uh, major casualties?
10: Uh, We have casualties, but not major. Not major.
0: And how long do you see this uh, battle continuing for those rebel-held towns?
10: Uh, Fighting consists of human motions and the use of uh, weapons. And uh, uh, it's very difficult to calculate in terms of a specific time. uh, But within a short period of time, the SPCA will will
0: control both areas. Thank you for joining us, uh, Colonel Philippa Agua. He's uh, from. Uh the south sudan army and that brings the time to 17 minutes to one here on safm south africa's news and information leader let's go to uh, the humanitarian crisis now in that uh, area which is caused by this fighting and uh, joining us uh, again is Jake Cutter, and i hope uh, the line is much better jake uh, good afternoon again and thank you for joining us take us through what the humanitarian situation is like in the area
5: well- the current situation is extremely dire throughout South Sudan. Um, we have large groups of displaced people uh, in camps in Juba, Malakal, Bentu, and elsewhere, in addition to the extremely large group of people who are displaced uh, in the bush in Orial without any shelter or protection. Uh, in addition, we're seeing a lot of war wounded coming into the hospitals, um, and so throughout the country uh, there's there's urgent humanitarian needs in many of the cities uh, and unfortunately the security situation is making it difficult for humanitarian agencies to respond.
0: I was just about to ask uh, how are your volunteers coping under the situation and do you see more uh, companies uh, more organizations coming to assist those who have been displaced?
5: Well, I think that there are more organizations um, starting up operations now. From the ICRC perspective, our staff has been working very hard, basically daily since the onset of, of the, you know, the crisis in the middle of December, without taking weekends or anything, to try to respond to as much of the humanitarian needs as possible. Uh, we have surgical teams working in hospitals in Juba, Malakal, Bentiu. Um, and we have ICRC staff working alongside South Sudan Red Cross volunteers, uh, doing distributions of food and shelter and relief items in El Arial. Finally, we have uh, some engineering teams working in some of the camps to provide clean drinking water, to ensure uh, proper proper sanitation, and, and that the displaced are getting enough water as they as they need. Um, But it is an extremely difficult environment to operate in. Even before the crisis, this was already a difficult context to operate in because of some of the infrastructure challenges. So we're we're doing our best and we're committed and we will continue to work hard, but it does present a lot of interesting challenges.
0: Are there any camps uh, that have been established uh, to assist those uh, that need help?
5: Can you say that again?
0: have you been able to establish camps where people who need assistance can go to
5: well the ICRC does not generally establish the camps Um, the the people that have been displaced have uh, in many cases gone uh, in in Juba specifically and and elsewhere in Malakal and Bentiu have gone to camps that were already set up by uh, other international organizations that were in the country uh, the, the big challenge is in the displacement in El Real, where there isn't uh, a compound that the people who have gone there, who have escaped the fighting from Zhongli, uh those people haven't been able to, to establish a camp, and so they're living essentially in the open air, under trees for shelter, and that makes it, uh, that, that creates, uh, exceptional need for them because uh, we want to provide shelter, we want people to be able to stay warm at night when it gets quite cold, but it also makes it more difficult when we do a distribution of food or relief items to get them to everyone who, who needs it because there's not a centralized area.
0: Well, thank you for joining us, uh, spokesperson for the International Committee of the Red Cross, uh, Jake Kerzer. And apologies once again uh, for the two lines and uh, not the clearest uh, of lines. It is 12 minutes to one here on Midela, of The Central African Republic's interim president, uh, Michel Jadotia. Uh, Judotia will face pressure to step down at an economic community of Central African States summit amid frustrations at his failure to quell the country's religious violence between the Christian and Muslim uh, militants. Jotodia's spokesperson has dismissed the reports that uh, the interim president may be forced to resign at this summit. Uh, the BBC's Paul Wood has more.
7: Dramatic evidence of how the crisis in the Central African Republic is deepening. In one month, this camp has grown from a few thousand people to perhaps a hundred thousand. They press right up against the airport runway, hoping the French troops there will provide a measure of safety. Almost half the capital, Bangui, has fled. These are Christians. They told us that Muslim Seleka militia had gone house to house, killing the young men. Ellen's son was shot dead in front of her, she told me. A second son was killed with a machete this morning. He had gone to their house to get their belongings. Many people had similar stories. The calm here is deceptive. Last week there was sniping from the perimeter of the camp, which killed three children, including a six-month-old baby girl. There are barely enough international troops to secure this place. There are certainly not enough to stop the bloodletting in the capital or in the countryside beyond. There's a threat of cholera, typhoid, and among children, measles, but people are still too terrified to go home.
6: We're not confident yet. It can be the count before
13: the the storm. Nobody really knows. And they they keep repeating to me if I have to choose between living in these kind of conditions and my life, well, I choose my life.
7: The camp was visited by the Archbishop of Bangui. He's issuing a joint statement with his Muslim counterparts for peace. But many of his flock are bent on revenge.
11: La pas de à no
7: revenge is never the solution, he says. You kill someone from my family, I kill someone from yours. The cycle of violence continues. We have to end that cycle. The mainly Muslim Seleka militia, accused by Christians of mass murder. They say they're defending their people from Christian vigilantes. The killing is sectarian and part of a power struggle. If the president resigns tomorrow, many fear this country will be engulfed in its worst violence yet.
0: And that was uh, the BBC's Paul Wood uh, reporting. Let's take an in-depth look at this. We now joined on the line by a peace and security expert, uh, Simon Allen-Handy. Good afternoon to you and thank thank you for joining us. Uh, We're talking to you from uh, the streets of the capital. What is your observation as we speak?
14: Um, The um, situation uh, remains extremely volatile and unpredictable. Uh, we have remarked that it was common that, uh, uh, there has been slight improvement, but the continued presence of about 100,000, uh, uh, internally displaced people around the airport in tough human conditions, uh, makes, uh, the situation just untenable and, uh, really, um, uh, it's a real powder keg and that needs immediate addressing. Uh, so people can return and, and resume and, I mean, and and resume normal normal life.
0: You described the situation as uh, the conditions as subhuman. Give us a picture of the situation, the conditions that people are living in.
14: Oh, because people, uh, you know, the lack of uh, uh, human security, which is really freedom from fear and freedom from want. Uh, it's, uh, and uh, people have fled their normal neighborhood, which are in the crossfire of sectarian violence, and as a result, have a group around the airport, which is basically the only safe haven, but without necessary sanitary conditions, you know, there's no lack of access to water, uh, lack of access to
3: food and
14: uh, medical services, the few NGOs are trying to intervene, but the needs are so enormous, uh, and, and the coping mechanism of people have always been stretched And two things. So when you have one of the people uh, without all these conditions that I have enumerated, you can imagine what 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 like And in that situation, as I said, need addressing. Uh, I, I need not to comment further on it. Uh, one just needs to slide uh, over. The airport to realize what it looks like. Um, uh, other than that, I think uh, there is a major effort on the security front uh, to really help stabilize the capital. But that alone will not be sufficient. Uh, there is going to, uh, you know, there is going to be a need for a massive infusion of humanitarian aid, uh, of international financial aid, but also technical advice to start putting together. Uh, fundamental elements of the rule of law and uh, state
0: building now it's going to be very impossible for humanitarian agencies to come in Uh, we've lost uh, that line uh, to uh, Simon Allen handy let's hope that uh, we can re-establish that uh, because it would be important to find out uh, his views on whether the Central African uh, States Summit uh, that's going to take place will actually be asking Jatodia to uh, step down. And if it does step down, will it uh, stabilize the situation? on the political front uh, he's uh, an expert when it comes to peace and security in that region we're just trying to establish uh, uh, contact uh, with him once again uh, but uh, looks like we're not uh, succeeding some of the sms's that have uh, come through uh, is that um uh, one which comes uh, from uh, TPSA is the chief that you spoke to did not address to two concerns of medical incision but uh, is being long-winded on uh, nothing Norman Matebula says i think it would be much better if parents take their kids to hospitals before they go to the schools because the process uh, becomes much uh, simpler let's go to uh, our story that uh, of the department of public works uh, awarding full bursaries to 50 learners from uh, the matric class of 2013 who will study for careers in the built environment industry as part of the government's priorities to build a skilled and capable workforce this comes at a time when experts are concerned that south africa is still not training enough engineers artisans and technicians joining us on the line to discuss the matter further is vangile manzini she is the director that's uh, the Director, Human, Ra- Human Capital Investment of the Department of Public Works. Uh, good afternoon to you and thank you for joining us. Good
6: afternoon, I. Okay, thank you for having me on. And your show.
0: compliments, uh, Ms. Manzini. Which fields of study, for those not uh, uh, familiar with uh, the built environment, uh, are you going to concentrate on?
6: The areas that we're going to be concentrating on are areas that speak to the core of our department. It's going to be in areas in engineering, your civil, your electrical, mechanical engineering, chemical engineering, quantity surveying, architecture, landscape architecture, town planning, and property valuation.
0: Are this uh, the first batch of bursaries uh, that you have awarded from your department?
6: This is not the first batch of bursaries that we have of, uh, We have um, awarded to Leonard we having an existing battery scheme that we're running as a department. We've been running the battery scheme since 2007, but this is the first batch of batteries that we are running in a program that is linked to the school's program that has been granted by public regs.
0: Does that mean that you have graduates uh, already from uh, some of these uh, bursaries, and uh, if so, have they been able to be absorbed into the system?
6: Definitely. Um, The Bursary Scheme is actually part of our uh, built environment uh, skills uh, pipeline, wherein not only do we take uh, learners through tertiary institutions, but after they've completed with their tertiary education, they come through into the Department of Public Works, wherein we offer them professional mentorship for them to pursue um, their goals towards professional registration in the built environment. So we are having a number of students uh, who, as I'm speaking to you today, are actually professionals in the built environment that have come from the bursary scheme.
0: Who qualifies uh, for the bursary?
6: Who qualifies for the bursary? It's through the schools that we've adopted. It's schools that have to meet our selection criteria as public works. Schools that are performing at an average of 65% and above. Schools that have learners performing at above 65% in math and science. It's a less resource school, a school situated in rural, farm and township areas. So we've selected learners who have actually performed top of their classes and those are the learners that we will be awarding groceries to this afternoon.
0: Vangile Manzini, Director, Human Capital Investment at the Department of Public Works. Thank you for joining us. Bafana Bafana coach Gordon Eggison says despite very trying times over the last few weeks, all players, with the exception of Kazi Chiefs members, have assembled in Cape Town for the 2014 African Nations uh, Championship. He, the coach expects uh, the five Chiefs players to join the squad uh, tomorrow. Mariska Buota has more. Shama was
13: one of only two survivors from the South African team that took part in the 2011 Chan tournament in Sudan, the other being his Sundown's teammate, Edward Mangale, currently on loan to Morocco Swallows. The unfortunate groin injury, says Peterson, returning to the national team for the first time at to Yehazand. Echazan says Shongwe will be returning to his club.
1: He went to the doctor late last night for a scan, and the scan has come back and proved that he's got a grade one tear in the groin, which means he's going to be out for two to three weeks. So I sat down with my technical, technical team and made a decision that we have to replace this player. And the player is uh, Jabulani Shongwe, who's, who's injured. And uh, late last night I was on talks with players from, uh, from, and th- in talks with Vits uh, University to bring in uh, Matthew Patterson, Paddy Patterson. So today at 2 o'clock Paddy Patterson will be arriving and unfortunately for us, Shongwe uh, will be departing back to Johannesburg where he can be treated by his club.
13: This was Mafana's only training match before the opening game against Neighbours Mozambique at Cape Town Stadium on Saturday and Eccleson says it served the purpose
1: it was a game of four halves we made we made 30 minutes 30 minutes 30 minutes and it was a very very good exercise more than anything else i wanted to integrate the new players into the system and how we play and get them to understand each other so yes the exercise was excellent it was, uh, it was the only game that we we're going to have between the last time we played and this tournament so it was a very good exercise for us
0: and that report uh, by Veli Lembuli brings to close today's edition of midday life my um, uh, thanks to the timbo and lamotsuatsu buloka Our technical producer is uh, Mark Prella, executive producers of Rissi Chi and Busi Chane. From me, Ike Patla and the team, enjoy your day further. The news is up next and after that is going to be otherwise. Have a wonderful afternoon. Cheers. Bye.